everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listing platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Today my guest is Tabitha Chapman, a marriage and family therapist and clinical counselor. As a therapist, her priority is to encourage her clients to rediscover their own inner perfection and help them trust their own truths. Tabitha is focusing her career on helping parents improve their relationships with their children as well as helping people restore or rebuild strong attachments to themselves as they heal trauma from coercion. As the founder of the Freedom Train Project, FTP, a nonprofit 501c3 advocacy agency, Tabby provides services for people wishing to leave cults or coercive relationships. How cool is that? Tabby is on the American Association of Doctors of Behavioral Health as the Director of Mental Health Education and Treasurer, as well as serving as a senior trainer with Gray's Trauma-Informed Care. Additionally, she spends time with children on a weekly basis as a leader in outdoor education with Tinkergarten. The most important lesson Tabby derived from her own life experiences is to let go of trying to exert control over others in all areas of life. Great advice. Welcome, Tabitha. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. You were involved in the International Cult Awareness Month of August. How did it start? Who started it? And uh, what year did it start? Um, this was the inaugural year, actually. Um, this is my baby. So uh, basically... As I had come out of uh, come out as being a member of Nexium, I guess you can call it that, um, or an ex-member of Nexium, um, I noticed like on the internet, and I guess also I was in Seduce and uh, the the documentary, kind of reading you know people's responses to the film and just being more vocal on the internet. I just noticed there was a lot of um, uneducated, if not downright harmful statements that were made about victims of cults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as time went on, I, I, you know, would be speaking to academics. I'm currently getting a, a doctorate's degree in forensic psychology, public policy and law. And just, wow. um, just talking to other ac- academics about you, what, what's missing in various industries. And one thing that came up was, you know, almost other types of um, other types of major I don't know, victimization areas like domestic violence and, and trafficking mm-hmm. have these awareness months. And so it's this month where there's like blitzes of information that come out. Well, we need something like that, <laughs> you know. So I actually, you know, worked on planning it for a good four months. I submitted it even to, you know, one of those like 
calendars where you can go and track the you know monthly. And then I started to let a few people know at a time, uh, a few organizations and stuff like with the idea that this would be a pilot year, um, just try to get it out there that we are even doing it with the goal of next year being the big push international cults awareness and i left it blank i mean i i left it just international cults awareness instead of awareness month because i wanted to be able to put out information all year long international cult awareness.org so what ended up happening in, in my life is my um Sadly, my mother uh, suddenly passed away, and so I had to put everything on pause mid-August <laughs> and, you know, and be there for my mom's transition and then help mm -hmm. with the funeral planning and everything. And so I only got to experience, you know, I would say about two, almost two weeks of, of this myself. Um, um, thankfully, other people continue to post. <laughs> Just want to say my condolences. Thank you. On so much going on that must have been rough it it was so surprising and she my mom uh was is however you want to view it right is my best friend and so mm -hmm. it was probably the hardest hardest oh, thing I've ever so <laughs> well my hugs to you on that thank you okay well you spoke about the various weeks and that was what attracted me um there was five months five weeks in the month of August. So there was five weeks of action. Each of them were different. Can we break that down? Yeah, of course. Um, awesome. Well, our first week was essentially cult basics and interventions. And if you look at any uh, sort of awareness month content out there, most of the time, the whole month ends up being that like domestic violence 101 or human trafficking 101, the basics of each of those things. Whereas international cult awareness, I wanted to spend um, a lot of time on those basics of information, but then also dive in a little bit deeper because while we can say um, via academic studies that the um, majority of the people who join cults are because they're in a transition in their life, mm -hmm. a cult has a different pull to it. It has a different type of transition one might be into or one might right. be experiencing. So I thought it was important to break it down. Plus, what is one of the first things that you think of when you think of the word cults, right? You think religious cults. That's right. You know, depending on what generation you're in, you might think of Heaven's Gate or something like that. Um, so I wanted to also hit the religious cults first, if you will, which is week two. Um, and then and kind of get that out of the way because, yeah, we all know about religious cults. But then I wanted yeah. to dive a little bit deeper into cults in which we actually might find ourselves into because... One of the biggest statements on the internet was, oh, I would never join a cult. I would never be that stupid. I think all survivors are familiar with that line. Exactly. Week three, we start right into the political and race-based cults, which is one of the biggest mm -hmm. uh, situations happening right now. So mm -hmm. that's, I started with that one because I wanted people to look around them, you know, like, wait a second. <laughs> you say political and race-based so that would be such as KKK or black power, or are you saying that cults that are political and race-based? No, just those are just examples. It can be political and race-based. Democratic Workers Party, I believe that was the cult that, um, the, yeah, my friend, Dr. Lalich, um, was, I love her, <laughs> our most recent type of cult, you know, um, okay. that we're kind of being experienced we're kind of being exposed to all the time right now. KKK is not gone. It is still here and it is still running. And, th and there's even smaller cults like 
political or race-based cults that might form on college campuses, which happens quite a bit. And at first, you don't think it's a cult. It's just a group of people meeting together with the same beliefs. But then one uh, rises above the rest, and then it becomes a little bit crazier than you really thought you were getting into, you know? So, And tell me, that's the thing for me that I've really been, since I started trying to understand what happened to me, realizing the recruitment technique is pretty important. It's like the ideology is what they use to recruit us. So it has to be pretty and shiny like candy to get people's attention. And then, as you know, it can be modified as they go. But you also mentioned a couple that it was interesting. I think it was on the fifth week. Um, Large group awareness training and one-on-one cults. Can you mention some stuff about that? Yes. And these are actually really important and very, the one-on-one is not talked about as much, but uh, let's start with, that's week four, large group awareness. Large group awareness, idea of Nexium would be considered a large group awareness. That's the one that I was part of, which I'll talk about more later. Forum, um, Landmark, those are considered large group awareness. So they basically, large groups of people come and they have seminars um, and their trainings. Okay. Those are um, most often, you know, or or even Tony Robbins, for instance, um, F is RAN is a large group awareness training. CMA, I am not stating that specifically his is a cult, but uh, that idea, sure. that charismatic leader leading a right. large amount of people. Um, so Tony Robbins would be that example. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I mean, the, the personal or life coach movement has taken over everything by storm. Probably one of the most unethical uh, communities out there because there is no true oversight board. Certifications or licenses that are that are designed like overarching, you know, that like granted at a state level or a federal level, because essentially life coaches are frequently doing unlicensed therapy work with people, which I know is a big deal, and and people are lobbying to try to get that changed, but it's hard to get our reins around them, you know, one on one cults because it is probably the most most ignored and the most harmful. A one-on-one cult is, you know, I have a mentor, I have a guru, I have someone who I talk to on a regular basis. Um, And, you know, if that becomes in any way coercive, because, like, if they start to give you, say, statements that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, like um, gurus and mentors are a real big deal, right? Things that is like, oh, well, obviously you don't love yourself enough if you're not willing to do this. Really question it if it starts to feel, you start to feel a little tug in your heart that says, like, oh, that's kind of weird, why would they say that? question it okay because it's very important in, in in this sense a lot of people are are doing the one-on-one based stuff and it's easier because there are other people who are like hey is this really because weird that they said that you know like it seems like they do a lot of you know recruitment for self-improvement mm-hmm. yeah every kind of improvement it could be any kind mm-hmm. of call now for a pri- for a one-on-one coach call anything like that you know and Trust your inner voice. That is the biggest thing. Trust that inner voice. And if it says, hey, something's wrong, try your best not to be like, oh, no, I'm just... The fear of missing out can be one of those things that gets us to click, listen to gurus who lead us astray. If you don't listen to this broadcast now, you won't hear the secrets of the universe. I heard one, God, there's so much junk out here now. YouTube, if you see the numbers 11, 11, 111 repeating you are in a spiritual awakening you're listening to the frankie files frankiefilespodcast.com 
I really appreciate survivors like yourself taking the pain and trying to turn it around and talk to the public and say, look, it's not just stupid people who get into cult self-improvement groups, education that turns wrong. It's a fine line between learning and being in a religious cult or a self-improvement cult. And you survived that, Tabitha. So applause to you. One quick thing I want to go back to the Awareness Month. Anyone wants to become involved, there is a forum on my website. Uh, and, you know, we can we can work on it as a whole committee because this time it was mostly just me. I'd love to form a whole committee that comes together monthly next year. TabbyChapman.com. Having an experience as a personal coach uh, through Nexium, right? Mm-hmm. And because I was a apprentice coach. Could you tell us how you were recruited and how you worked your way up through the ranks? What attracted you to start with? <laughs> so um, I wouldn't say that I was attracted to start with in that sense, but it was a requirement for me to be able to work with the person who recruited me. Um, some people may or may not have heard of Allison Mack, who was, was my... She's in jail. Um, so she actually recruited me. She emailed mm. me and asked me to work on her official site with her. I had been running a fan site um, for her. And okay. so then when I went to go meet her in Vancouver to talk about the, you know, the proposition, if you will, she stated that in order for her to hire me, I'd have to take these seminars. Yeah. So that's how that started. So I, I agreed um, after much much deliberation with my partner at the time, uh, my partner. So Allison had presented it this way to me. You know, some people are calling it a cult. <laughs> so I want you to Google she, she did, huh? She said that to me. Um, but, you know, I've been to it and I haven't seen anything weird. And it's all you know, <laughs> up and, you know, it's changed my life. And, um, and I just want my whole team to take it so that I know that I'm working with an ethical group of people. And so, of course, I went and looked it up because, you know, why not? And, but I, I just kept remembering the whole time because at yeah. the time there was like a Forbes article about it. What year? Maybe 2006 is when I had the initial conversation. This is fascinating stuff. So you're recruited by one of the leaders directly. You know, as I was doing my research or whatever you call that <laughs> at the time. I just kept remembering Allison saying, you know, everything is fine. It's all in the up and up. And so I kind of took her personal testimony over anything else because she was there. That's just sort of how my brain was at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I joined in Axiom. I, I did, you know, I did the first intensive um, in, I think it was August 2007 um, here in Los Angeles. Couldn't afford anything like that at the time, you know. I was just out of college with my bachelor's in computer science. Mm-hmm. And and you have to take like a whole week off. And there we only got like two weeks of vacation max, you know. And, and would she pay for this for you? No, she required me to pay for it. I had to, she agreed to do like a work exchange. So she paid for it and then I worked for free for a period of time. Um, so that's how it started. <laughs> um, moving over to Vancouver to be, you know, to work more directly with her in person because she was still working with Smallville. And then also to continue. Um, being part of the program as well so okay. it's an ongoing thing so if like if there were times when I was like I don't want to be part of the program then she would suddenly start talking about hiring someone else a regular situation going on there well what's <laughs> yes ma'am that she would use such coercive threatening uh tactics so early mm-hmm. 
that stands out to me personally. There was, I mean, there was some enticing too on the other way around in the sense that like if I show what Nexium calls inner deficiency. So if I showed any kind of, um, you can't see my air quotes, but it would be a clear evidence of inner deficiencies, right? Something that's obviously we don't feel as whole about ourselves. So I would essentially, you know, if I missed a deadline or anything like that, you know, oh, it's your inner deficiency. Let's figure out what's wrong so you can fix it, right? So there were some conversations that I would have, you know, like growing up in poverty or growing up, you know, just various parts of aspects of my life that would come up and then, oh, you know, this group can help with that or this, you know, in the very initial conversation that we had about Nexium, I, I, I'm not sure if Allison had been to a training yet, but I know for sure she had been to a gymnast weekend, which is the, their women's group, their pre okay. group. you know, right away on that weekend that, that I was there, she was driving me and um, we were somewhere, we were talking about a really hot topic, her response to the hot topic was it's a something that happens it's really terrible to people um she was like oh well you you don't have to view it as terrible you can just make your mind to go somewhere else and choose joy while these terrible things are happening to you what in the world you know so train yourself to check out yep exactly so that wasn't our first conversation before i even this is great story step and this is in the first year so that was the first year that i knew her and and she wasn't my coach, but sometimes she would come talk to me and mm-hmm. occasionally about, you know, various things. Um, they they don't usually set your coach to be the person who enrolled you. You have a unique psychological barter going on because your work and your living situation is tied up in your success with Allison Mack. When you work for her, having this tied up with that, that's had to be a lot of stress for you. So the whole thing was stressful. I am not going mm-hmm. to pull any punches. So the, the minute that I, well, Vancouver was nice. So Vancouver, the, the community in Vancouver was way different than the community in Albany. It felt like they were truly trying to be a community of people. There was all kinds of humanities events. We went hiking. We went like mm. together and it really did feel like the goal there was to be a community. Um, and this mm-hmm. is before it became a full center. And then I ended up moving to Albany and that's where everything was horrific like it it changed to because by the time I moved to Albany I got promoted to an apprentice coach now like one of the requirements is that you'll you'll accept feedback anytime anywhere for any reason or or version of abuse and so I just got constant quote all the time anything that people don't like about you can I give you some feedback but Dr. Lillish called it attack therapy that was formed in synonym that was a new revelation to me when it started when this type of thing started but that's what it is is basically tearing each other down that was the roughest part for me because I came from I experienced long long lectures in my childhood and stuff like that and it was very triggering for me when you're doing the homework the programs that you were required to do for your job so your employment's all wrapped up in this I actually have journals and journals and journals of my experience okay. because that was one of the, the things that I did. Um, they would never allow us to write or take notes or anything. So everything that I did write down was sort of from my memory and just my like pure thought process of it. You know, they, the basic thing that they did was have us evaluate words. And it seems so silly now, but have us evaluate words and what they mean to us. So the word love or the word responsibility or whatever, and kind of just 
really dig deep in well that's what they said and try to figure it out but really it was just all so much more confusing by the time you got done evaluating a word you know but essentially I would come out at the end of the day more confused more dissociated than I had when I started because it just gets really like a little tornado in your head for every time you start to do things. I had to write reports about how my mistake not only affected me, but my community and the whole world. Me showing up late to this meeting affected the whole world. You have to make something up because whatever you write, has to, it has to be approved, you know, yeah. and someone higher than you. And so otherwise you get sent back to rewrite it again. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Talking about very straightforward words and definitions. Let's, mm-hmm. What is money? But what is it really? But with money, um, they they got things all kinds of confusing with money because they would pick certain people and let them do work exchange, or, you know, or which now we've recognized as P&E and labor trafficking. <laughs> or they would uh, pick people and like target people for like the $10,000 ethics training. And who knows why they picked you know, the way that they picked, but like constant pick people to, to in, um, put them in that P&E uh, situation mm-hmm. or, or labor trafficking situation. So you can't afford the $10,000 training. Oh, oh mm-hmm. well, obviously either the situation here is that you don't love yourself enough, you know, to invest something into it, or uh, maybe you could do a little bit of work exchange, right? So I guess work exchange is my option, you know? Okay. Scientology does this too, because when they signed the billion-year contract in various segments of their organization, if they leave, they're threatened with having to pay back all the training they received while they were doing that. That's where you are if you're kind of one of those picked. And I say picked because there were some people that couldn't afford those extra trainings and they weren't being like uh, coerced into joining either. They would join mm-hmm. when they could, you know, so it wasn't like they were kicked out either. It was just there were certain people that were at every training. I was one of them for a while that was at most of the trainings. Um, And Mm -hmm. I was at, you know, the level one trainings a lot as a coach exchange. So, um, so I would be coaching the level one trainings. And again, like feedback everywhere all of the time. It was sounds like the military. You go in and you're going to get psychologically broken down so we could do what we want. The headquarters decided that I could work for them and work on their website. So I was one of the web developers, Nexian.net and Executive Success Programs and Rainbow Culture Gardens. And my, I worked on the World Ethical Foundation's Consortium website. I started moving into working specifically for individuals like Claire Bronfman, Sarah Bronfman. I didn't really work directly with Nikki, but I helped her with her website stuff or a version of Lauren Salzman's website I did. So like, I worked sort of all for like many of the people that were over there. Some people paid me directly, people paid me on exchange. And one person in particular argued, who should not have been in this position, argued with me over 15 minutes of work because I was driving during the meeting and not uh, sitting down at a desk. So um, one of the mm-hmm. wrong friends, I, I believe it was Sarah, but they, they called me up after I sent my invoice and said, weren't you driving during that meeting? And I was like, yes. And I, said, I, I think I should only have to pay for 50% of that. I had been doing a little bit of freelance pre-Nexium, you know, um, and in, in that, you know, we may give people discounts, you know, as a, you know, friendship discounts or something or family discounts, we usually get paid, you know, so, and even yeah. while I was working in Nexium, I was still doing some outside projects and the experience was a hundred percent different, you know, for people who were outside of Nexium, I would send an invoice 
with a net 30 payment. And then within 30 days, they'd pay me. It was really nice. And next year, I would send an invoice. And then I wouldn't hear from anyone. And then I would go ask. And they'd say, oh, you sent it to the wrong email. This goes to this email. Okay. So I'd send it to the right email. And then I wouldn't hear from anyone. And I would go, can you tell me what's wrong with, with what's going on? Oh, you put a wrong word on your invoice. Oh, okay. Which word is wrong? I'm going to have you look over that and figure out which word is wrong. Okay. So then I would uh, take it to my you know, supervisor. I'd be like, they said there's a wrong word on here. And, and then they would help identify which word is wrong, right? It was because uh, there was a specific company. Um, like I would put, I think I put Rainbow Culture Gardens or something. And they would say, no, it needs to be World Ethical Foundations Consortium because they're the ones paying for it. And you can't mention Rainbow Culture Gardens on, on anything weird they called it inductive learning process wouldn't get paid for that invoice sometimes for like a month meanwhile i've already submitted two invoices that were clearly correct and then i would get paid but that one invoice is still it sounds like you stumbled on a bookkeeping secret they were trying to hide some kind of money trail yeah it was something like that because they were having a nonprofit pay Mm -hmm. these fees of something that was only you know, beneficial to potentially one or two, you know, people instead of it being beneficial to the public at large. Uh, that was what the issue was. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com We're at like 07 and you're in Albany at this time. So I, I didn't move to Albany till 08 in Vancouver and then got the opportunity to move to Albany and work through my issues so much faster if I lived in Albany. <laughs> <laughs> through their issues of all the free work. All of the ridiculous feedback. And they had promised me as well that I would be able to run my own acapella group, which that was kind of the thing they were into at the time in Albany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved music. My first um, before I switched it in college was to be a choir director. And so, and then I switched it because I couldn't handle music theory at 6.30 in the morning every day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I was in Albany um, from 2008, and then I left Albany in 2000, late 2011, almost four years there. But I, I continued being part of it here in um, California. Yeah, that's the word. I had some experiences where I was, well, when I was in Albany, my big goal that I was working on was running a business. I was trying to get a web development. But that was my Clearly. goal. I had a situation where Claire Bronfman had called me into her office and she um, said that she had heard of an incident that occurred with me and um, asked if I would you know, take these, these paperwork and try to get this person arrested. So the incident that one of their main, um, I guess, enemies, if you will, blogger enemies, had come and stood about 10 feet away from me um, and stared at me for a good 20, 25 minutes. Um, that man didn't say anything to me. He just stood there and stared at me. And it was very intimidating and I was scared, but um, didn't think it really warranted arresting. Fast forward now that I have a doctorate's degree, I'm like, yeah, that's not okay. You don't go stand and stare at And he had written about me several times on his blog. Anyway, so I was pretty intimidated by him, but I hadn't really told a lot of people. Claire was like, we heard about this. Um, we want you to try to get him arrested. I didn't think that that, that was an arrestable offense, you know, but she was insinuating that I would... I would be doing this for the good of the community and um, all these. And so there was some coercion. Going because on. he blogs negatively about Nexium. He did. Yeah. Um, That's why. Okay. So they want to shut him down. Right. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, so I did, you know, drop off the paperwork to the county clerk. 
why are you dropping this off here instead of calling the police? And I was trying to remember what they told me to say, <laughs> you know, um, because the police aren't going to do anything about it, essentially. And so they said, well, you're missing. You have to put that in here. Take it back to Claire's attorneys, get them to rewrite it. And then and then I delayed once they rewrote it. I decided at that point I was too terrified, worried that he would somehow find out I was trying to get him arrested, find me and try to you know hurt me. Like extremely paranoid. Every time I went out my door, I had looked around to see if he was there. And I just, my life just went downhill. My mental health went downhill from there. So I decided to flee. So I started making plans to leave and go go to California. And I was, you know, married at the time and, I, you know, got my wife. Just so someone in Nexium? Well, I brought them into Nexium, but yeah. At the time, yeah, I, um, I enrolled a few people, so I've, I've had some talks with most of them, <laughs> you know. And, Good and, for you. Yeah, said I'm sorry for anything that may have occurred. Um, but anyway, my, my wife and I basically made plans to go to California. And so the day, I, either the day before or the day of leaving for California, I dropped those papers off finally and then left out of there, you know. I still stayed involved in California, but prior to me leaving California, um, I got a call, a phone call from um, from one of the you know main leaders, which I'm not going to say his name at this okay, point. Okay, no problem. And he said to me, um, you know, I, I don't want you to work at the center in Nexium as a coach because um, you're still overweight and you obviously haven't um, you obviously haven't you know been working the program. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was so thrown mm-hmm. off. He wanted people to be deathly skinny, right? Yeah, Keith did, yeah. It's a fetish, not a health thing. It's weird. Um, the person was saying, mm-hmm. with Keith, it was, uh, especially in L.A., if, if there's someone there that was overweight, it would kind of be counterproductive to the program because they were, you know, they, basically they just wanted skinny, beautiful people there, you know. And so, because of all the actors. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I, I was heartbroken. So I was doing work with more distant work while I was here in California, but I'm, I'm coming to the point of the story. So I was working with my coach whom I loved um, a lot. So my coach, but my coach was trying to work with me on weight stuff. At the time in Nexium, they interjected the concept of penance right before, right as I moved. Like if you fail to honor your word, you had to come up with a penance and they had to pr- approve the penance. So whatever it was, they had to approve it, you know. <laughs> So I must have tried, I don't know, eight different penances before my penance was finally approved. So one that they finally agreed to was that I had to, if I, if I went over on my calories at all, or if I failed to check in each day with whatever I agreed to do, um, then I would drop my calories by 100 calories. My calories I was already eating was 900 a day. I went even to 901 calories. The next day I was only supposed to eat or consume 800 calories it was really really drawn out so i would do this up to three days in a row um i would drop by 100 up to three days in a row if i continued to because once you go to seven 800 or 700 it's super easy to go over your calories you know i would have to drop it again and at some point i was down to 400 calories so i started to become Mm -hmm. less than truthful about it and and i think that was the time when i realized Mm -hmm. that this sustainable for me you know like to you know report you know false weights and false um recounts you know when when necessary as a way to survive you know 
let me ask, this is part of the curriculum to becoming the best possible you, right? What they claim. Keith Ranieri claims that you can work any program you want. Phrase I used a lot was all roads lead to Rome. And so therefore everyone else used that phrase too. All roads lead to Rome. So uh, people would, you know, start usually start off on one type of uh, business or one type of goal and then end up working mm-hmm. somehow their way or exercise or some physical attribute, you know. So your one goal would be starting a business? Yeah, running a multi-million dollar web consulting firm. And I tried to persist that being my goal for a long time mm-hmm. until I got that phone call, essentially. And, and so then I was like, well, I guess I got to change my goals, you know. But yeah, that was my goal. Now, I did actually lose quite a bit of weight. Not, And I'm not saying this is a great thing and I'm not recommending it. You know, it worked really well. Um, I had a personal trainer and I paid for a personal trainer to you know, teach me how to do proper uh, nutrition and proper exercise. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, yeah, my diet, my calorie restriction today is 700. And my trainer was like, I don't understand, but okay, let's build a a base on 700 then, you know. I just don't understand how they can work that in. With the training that that states that like all roads lead to Rome, that kind of thing, or it's really just kind of blithely stating like it's no big deal, you know. And then with the the counter statements of, well, if you're not ready to do this or you don't want to do this or there's some resistance and obviously you don't care enough. You don't really care about yourself. You're like, and uh, and what you know, what couldn't have been learned through continuing my business goal? I don't know. But he would say that, mm-hmm. that you know, using weight loss and and body conditioning would is a faster way to grow. Now, I'm just I'm here to tell you all that is complete BS. That's not true. You know, the the way to the way to grow is to love yourself, and that is it. You know, and if you love yourself fully not going to be doing crazy things, you know, including starvation diets, right? So they said I can't work in the community. So I moved to California and, you know, a quote, real job, if you will. And so I, it's so weird going into the real, to the quote, real world after being, mm-hmm. because sometimes I would say stuff uh, that I had been totally understood inside the cult, you know, and it was just the language they spoke and people would just, just say English. I don't understand job my first job outside of of the cult actually because of all of the feedback that had been given there were you know if if my boss was like Tabitha come to my office I immediately had a very negative response immediately I was like you know shaking and and having a whole panic attack by the time I got telling my boss at the time that 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 triggered me and it was very harmful to me to didn't have to deal with that. And I even suggested that he say it a different way, like, Tabby, I'd like to talk to you about ice cream sandwiches. Can you come down? He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Randomly intercom me and asked me to come to his office. And I swear, I, it's not long after that I left that job because that was not funny. <laughs> I was still part of like the, the behind the scenes planning and I was still trying to get the nest group running here in Orange County that weekend. Um, but then what I finally left, essentially what happened was um, I, I got the Jeunesse group up and running. And I mean, not the group, but the weekend. And then mm-hmm. on that weekend, um, Alice, it was at Alice and Max's mom's house and it was ran by Esther. And so Allison and Esther just both took turns berating me like completely like, in front of, of all the other women there. They were just, you know, why are you doing this? And just, I don't know, just totally shaming me. and yelling at me essentially in front of all these women and I 
just broke. That was my like final swing because I'm the one that organized that weekend. You know, like that. There, all those women were there. They were all there because I organized the weekend. You know, and that I was the target. And I and I had never seen that happen to anybody before at a gymnast weekend. So I was like, what is happening? You know. And, you know, looking back on it, they probably did want me to quit. You know, Excommunication. I, I started, again, making a quiet withdrawal. I, I stayed quiet the whole time yeah. up until, like, even a, a year after Nexium came out as a cult. You know, at the time, they weren't doing any of the DOS stuff. So there was no weird things. It might have been 2013 or 2014 that I was brushed. But I was in for about seven years in total. Still maintained some of my clients in terms of web, web hosting and stuff. Once Keith got arrested and once Allison got arrested, then I was like, you know what? I got to cut ties completely. I had one client who I know didn't mean any harm. I need to go and delete all of my emails. I'm not deleting a single email. <laughs> you know, like, but Incredible. I, I, that's not going to happen. And so, so I started getting rid of any client that was related to Nexium and yeah. um, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's certainly been an interesting journey. It's, all of an above average IQ. I even got tested 14, 2015. Later, it was really hard for me to not feel like this, you know, the stupidest person in the world. Like, I felt so duped and I felt remembering Allison saying, you know, some people are calling it a cult. <laughs> that moment when you said it, um, what's interesting about that, and she says, you know, go ahead and Google it for yourself. It's very tricky with that. You do your research, pretend, because you can't find much. So it's like a very clever trick to disarm you. How long did you drag your tail after you left? For me, it was a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, after I left in Wool, it was after the 2017 article where I felt like I was totally duped. I actually had a whole mental health crisis. It was a really long journey for me. Um, I had three different therapists at once to work on different issues, but one was... Mm-hmm programmer one was a cult specialist and one was just a regular you know everyday therapist so try to help me with my regular everyday stuff of being a mom of a single mom of twin special needs kids and things like i'm a twin oh you are how cool uh fraternal twin boys and they're both autism spectrum and that that has a lot of nexium story as well that i didn't get to but i might people had been telling me all the time that i shouldn't have kids because i'm fat so um you know very occasionally i'll have like a are they right? Are they autistic because of me? You know, but of course I'm in the field of psychology now and I'm like, that's not true. Stop it. <laughs> it's know? like you were hit with this weight limit so much. You started to believe uh, people like Babe Ruth did okay. It's a vanity thing coming from Nexium, it sounds like a vanity thing. I went and got that psychology degree because I was like, uh, you know, I really wanted to help people. That was one of the main reasons why I decided to stay involved in Nexium. I really wanted to change the world, if you will. My thinking was, well, they taught me how to do it incorrectly. Their goal was to make money for themselves and to, to brainwash people, essentially. So I went and got a degree in psychology, a master's degree, and became a marriage and family therapist so that I could learn mm-hmm. the correct way. And along the way is where I picked up the, um, you know, love yourself is the most powerful thing you can do. And also, I plug my favorite author, um, Anita Morjani. She's been life-changing for me. Um, I read her um, Dying to Be Me book. It is just super, um, you know, really resonated with me, which is mm-hmm. like love yourself. And, and ultimately, that is what, what we all can do. Again, by loving yourself, you, you can you can have all these fail-safe sins so you don't mistreat yourself. 
That was a powerful comment to me as a survivor. Love yourself. Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple and straightforward. We were discouraged from doing so. Even taking self-care was like you're taking time from, from the master. Mm-hmm. You need to be studying or doing this for the temple or whatever. It's this guilt and, and it can be pretty difficult to deal with. So I think that it's not a small message. Love yourself because it can be hard after a cult divisively turns you against you. It's like, how do they make us hate ourselves? Uh-huh. Hey, excuse me, you're you're great, you're amazing. Lift yourself up, you know? Stop being so hard on yourself, type of thing. For people who are who coming out of cults, it's obviously not something that you can just turn over overnight and be like, okay, I love myself now. What is the most loving thing for me to do right now? Even if you can't say, what, how can I love myself the best today? We can say, what is the most loving thing to do? Um, translate over into how, do, how can I love myself the best? Because, yeah, because that's one small step where it's not directly focused on ourselves. Because uh, by the time we realize we were in a cult, we get out of it, we don't love ourselves. Ourselves are our biggest enemies, you know? How can I be so stupid? Right, it's a trust. It's, it becomes a self-trust issue. And you have to really get through that and start trusting yourself again. And in your story, it's like, well, you weren't stupid. You were told this was to begin with. You were told by Allison Mack, an important person in this world, that I would be intimidated by two. Hollywood star, for real. You have to go through this training to keep your job. I don't think I've ever heard that recruitment technique, personally. Right. Yeah, it's... That's hardcore. It's like, wait, are you going to double my pay so I could do this? Cool. Well, if anyone does want to reach out to tabbychapman at gmail.com is my email. So I'm happy to you know answer any questions. Oh, Twitter is Tabby Marie. So Tabby, you were a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. Go to the website internationalcultawareness.org. And thank you so much, Tabby, for being our guest. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com. If you're feeling down and no one's there to actually talk to, there is someone to talk to. Call the Suicide Prevention Hotline anytime. This will pass. Please know that many of us have survived these thoughts. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, day or night. There's a friendly person there that can remind you to value the life you have and that this too shall pass. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255, or search online, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You're listening to The Frankie Files, FrankieFilesPodcast.com.